Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of an Ingenious You Mini. I am so pleased to introduce a new monthly blog series entitled The Provost Window Views on Academic Leadership, written by Dr. Christine Barnett, a career-long educator and academic administrator who often has a unique perspective on all aspects of academic leadership. She has cobbled together a career at a variety of institutions that have afforded her several different scenic vistas. For the most part, Chris's leadership has been focused on small, private, liberal arts, women's or former women's colleges. Barnett is new to her position as a provost and vice president of academic affairs at an independent liberal arts college in the Southeast, affording her a new window, a new view, and many valuable first-person insights to share with us all about what it's like to lead in the here and now. Here's Dr. Barnett. The Provost's Window, Views on Academic Leadership. Hi, I'm new here. My first role in higher education, aside from being an adjunct instructor, was as a professional writing tutor in an MBA program. This part-time opportunity afforded me an office big enough for a solitary desk and a single, well-used desk chair. Visitors to my office closet could not sit. There was no window in the office or in the door, so it was, in effect, a cocoon from which I was quickly ready to emerge. For my second role, my big break into full-time higher ed work, I moved up in style to an office in a former dorm room, swaddled in cinder block with a window that revealed chicken wire and HVAC. My third big break placed me in a newer space with a gracious view of parking lots and stately buildings. As my leadership roles grew at this institution, my office changed too until at last as vice provost, I looked out from the second floor to the immaculate circular driveway at the front of campus. At that institution, I had a view of its elegant facade as well as what lay behind that facade. Now, in my first vice president provost role, I am back on the ground floor and looking at stately ivy-covered oak. Over more than 25 years, these literal views from various windows at all kinds of institutions, large, small, career-focused, liberal arts-based, single-gender, co-ed, and in various stages of success and chaos, growth and stagnation, have intertwined with the other views I have taken in. These views have included insights into academic life, teaching and learning, faculty affairs, academic operations, strategic planning, personnel and student issues, and all sorts of remarkable ideas, issues, topics, initiatives, problems, plans, milestones, and successes. I have looked out of all of these windows. I've mused, stewed, and pontificated on how to build and grow programs, how to ensure quality academics, how to save, spend, and ask for money, how to solve problems, how to best educate eager learners, how to build community and better work with people, and how to best position organizations. These views and insights are the basis for this blog. So how do I register for Provosting 101? Soon after I received the offer to be the next provost at my current institution, a position for, well, 
for which I felt genuinely excited and also ready and well-prepared, my confidence flagged for a second, and I asked the most valuable source I know, Google, for some sage advice. How do I even do this job? Google alerted me to a single, seemingly ancient text and coughed up little else. So I've stumbled into this role and stayed upright thanks to guidance from new and former colleagues, mentors, and from snippets of research. I'm fortunate that my new institutional home is on stable footing after a period of instability, and it seems that around each corner, a pocket of possibility is ready to be tapped by the amazing faculty and staff. My desire for the handbook on how to be a provost in the turbulent world of higher education and my ultimate letdown and not finding that resource or easy button led to this blog. Here, you will find one provost's description of the world outside her window and beyond into the world of post-secondary education. Each blog will conclude with an action step for higher ed leaders, whether they be new or seasoned. The transition to the new view. Having never been a provost before, I was not sure what to expect in the transition. Thankfully, my new institution had done this before and took the lead in communicating for the few months before I started. Some of the aspects of transition that seem to have helped include the following. Number one, visit campus several times. My institution built in a couple of full-day visits that allowed me to meet with the president, staff, and some faculty in advance of my start date. I met with nearly all of my direct reports and attended a cabinet meeting. This allowed for in-person overlap with the outgoing provost, which was vital in terms of experiencing the current approaches and understanding priorities and personalities. There was also a benefit in ensuring that the community understood that the outgoing and the incoming provost were amiably working together for a smooth transition. Number two, study. I scoured the institution's website, read every catalog and document I could, and annotated everything from the faculty handbook to assessment reports and institutional data to the employee handbook. I watched several years' worth of college-related videos on YouTube, better understanding its traditions, its people, its milestones, and its history. While I did not retain information as much as I would have liked because the information was out of context, I had a vague familiarity with important details when the inevitable parade of meetings and reasonable questions came on full blast by my second week. Number three, ask for what you cannot find. Not all people are good at anticipating others' needs. Academic leadership requires us to be working backwards from a desired outcome, and I've learned that a lot of folks have many strengths, but not all include the ability to see over the horizon. I was provided with ample documents, but sometimes it was assumed that I would only need current reports. I often asked for documents from years ago, and I routinely asked staff and faculty to walk me through the full history and processes involved in a particular situation. These requests for additional depth and breadth were sometimes met with surprise, but it's hard to develop a sense of the big picture if you don't have all the pieces. Moreover, in some cases, my questions have revealed that some documents are not readily accessible, which can lead to time spent looking for important support. Four, walk around. For the first several weeks, I walked around campus every day, exploring buildings and meeting and sometimes startling people. 
I encountered hidden spaces I had not been introduced to in my campus tour and was even more impressed by the space and the possibility. Mostly, it was a chance to find people where they were comfortable, on their turf, doing the important work that had gotten the institution in the good place it is. After a few months, my schedule has heated up to the point where I cannot do this as much as I should and would like to, but I make an effort every week to stop by to visit a different building. Action step. Transitioning to a new role is a significant challenge and a major disruptive force. Transition is also an opportunity to ensure that areas of oversight and critical infrastructure are accurate, complete, and easy to find. Are your areas of oversight well-documented and ready for succession? If you left your role today, would a person new to your institution be able to come in and get to work? Have you documented what your role entails? Are pertinent roles and responsibilities, policies and processes articulated and readily accessible? Many of us assume we will be in our roles forever, and because we are all-knowing, we do not consider sustainability of the functions. We assume that we can work on projects like this in the summer, but often do not get to them. If these questions have led you to understand that there might be some holes in your internal documentation, make a list of areas that need shoring up and commit to documenting an, an essential element each week. In my new position, I am documenting the monthly obligations that pop up so that I can proactively address them next year. Stay tuned for upcoming blog posts that delve deeper into being the newbie and trying to lead an organization in the midst of disruptive change in higher education. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of An Ingenious You. This is Melissa Morris-Olson, your host. We are very excited about our season four conversations. I encourage you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to rate us and let your friends and colleagues know so that they too can join the Ingenious You community. I invite you to visit our website for the Center for Higher Education, Leadership and Innovative Practice at baypath.edu slash chelip, C-H-E-L-I-P where you will find information about our monthly free Leading Edge Thinking and Higher Education webinars, as well as our just launched YouTube channel, where you'll find full video interviews with our most highly rated conversations from previous seasons. And while on this site, you can subscribe so you don't miss out on the release of new content and upcoming webinars. That's all for now. Thanks so very much for listening.